It's a privilege always to speak to you the Word of God uh, this, uh, this evening. It's, it's like an afternoon here, so please uh, may I request everyone to please stand as we look into the Word of God. And let us turn our Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And we will be reading from verse, verses 9 down to verse 13. 1 Chronicles chapter 21, beginning from verse 9. And the word of the Lord says, And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad, Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee either three years famine or three months to be destroyed before thy foes while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee or else three days the sword of the Lord even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel now therefore advise thyself that uh, what word I shall bring again to him that sent me and David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. Let us look into the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we would like to thank you for the privilege that we can study your word. Lord, we ask that you would help us to see who you are in this passage and also Lord who who we are in your sight Lord we wanted to ask for the working of the Holy Spirit in our midst today and we commit to you this service uh, this evening we thank you for what you have done in our lives in Jesus name Amen please take your seats now let me ask you, how many of us here tonight, you know, being straight, uh, experience correction? Okay, how many of us? Okay, I think, I think all of us here, I, I, I guess, okay, so to those who raise up their hands, how many of us responded in a negative way? Okay, please be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, uh, we can see really that in us, you know, um, there's a lot of people who actually been corrected and, you know, responded in a negative way. Uh, there are lots of young people end up hurting themselves and people around them uh, when they responded negatively to correction. Is that true, right? But we also see a lot of people who submit themselves to a correction, to a, the correction and found joy and peace in life. You know, um, before I continue, let me tell you the story. Uh, there's, I don't, I don't know if you heard this story or not, but I presume that you heard it already, okay? So just bear with me. So the, the, the story starts with the captain of the sh ship looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance. 
So immediately, immediately he told his signal man to send a message. You know, I don't know if it's like Morse code or like high tech or something, but uh, his, uh, he commanded the signal man and sent a message, alter your course 10 degrees south. And then promptly, a return message was received. And it says, alter your course 10 degrees north. Now the captain, when he knew that was the message, you know, were, was furious and angered about, about uh, what happened because his command was been ignore, has been ignored. So he sent a second message. And, and um, the same message, alter your course 10 degrees south. No, I am the captain. No, now he's, he's angry about this. So soon, another message was received. And says, alter your course 10 degrees north. Okay, so I am seaman, third class Jones. Okay. And immediately, the captain sent a third message. Knowing the, uh, the fear it would evoke. And the message said, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am the lighthouse. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so whether, whether he altered his course or not, the, the consequence of, or response to that message, if he did not respond well, it might have ended up, you know, in a pretty good, uh, not pretty good, but uh, a disastrous event, probably. But there's a lot of hurtful consequences in our Christian life could have been avoided if only we responded positively to God's correction. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you, you know your life, and uh, God knows also your, your life and my life as well. Uh, we have done a lot of negative response to the correction of God. And we saw the devastating, or should I say, hurtful feelings that we, you know, we, we experience in our lives. And also there are, are um, consequences, and we submitted, we find ourselves submitted, submit to the, to the correction of God, and God bring us back to the right course. And there's blessing in our lives. So much of our success in the Christian life depends on how we respond to God's consequence, consequences to, our, uh, to God's consequences and our actions. Okay, so our, our success in life, being a Christian, depended on those how we, you know, responded to that consequences. Here in the story, we have read, um, if you have your time, probably at, you know, at your very convenient time, you can read the story. It is also, we can see this story also in uh, uh, first, uh, Second Samuel chapter 24, wherein David had sinned against God. And in the, the verse 1, it says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel 
from Beersheba even to Dan and bring and bring the number of them to me that I may know it so the sin of David is he numbered the people of Israel I don't know about you if it's like it put question mark if you're actually reading about it uh, how it that be you know he's a king right and the uh, observation here he's a king he has the rightful um, is there, he, he has the right to number the people of Israel as a king to know you know probably how many uh, people that draw sword so we can see here that David sinned against the Lord against God so we can we can also see first here the reaction of God in this event the reaction of God there's two questions that we uh, that um, came into this passage why did David chose to number the Israel the second question why was it such grievous sin well we find that answer the first question can we we find the answer in verse 1 and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel now we can also see this kind of event uh, this kind of event in the life of Job right you know when 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 Satan actually you know went to the Lord and and challenged the trust and faith of, they, uh, of a Job in the sight of God. And here also, is David knew about Satan? I certainly, um, you know, we can have this a possibility that he does, doesn't know about it because he can't see Satan, right? But Satan, the passage says, Satan provoked David to count the Israelites. The second question, uh, answer to the question, why was it such grievous sin? Well, of course, we can see in verse 14 that there is 70,000 men died because of that sin. It is a grievous sin. But why is it was a sin? Well, throughout the accounts of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, God always emphasized that his people should trust him always. Right? Do you agree if you're reading the history of, especially in the Old Testament, that God wants His people to trust Him always. So whenever they trust God, God brought blessing and victory upon the nation. But when they disobey and trust men rather than God, God they fall into destruction. Now Jeremiah 29, 23, 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory, glorieth glory in this, he, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight saith the Lord so this sin that probably David committed is a sin of pride 
I want to know how strong I am. Right? Okay, so verse 5, we can see that, you know, I will read that. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David, and all, all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and an hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew sword. Okay, so about roughly 1,500,000 men. Okay, so 1,500,000 men. You know, you can see if that's your army today, you'll, you're pretty much in, you know, no one can defeat me this time. You know, because I'm in a great power. Now, if we look back in the life of David, when he went against the Philistine, you remember the story when he faced the giant Goliath. In comparison to that, did he had you know did he counted men? Certainly not, because there's no he has no army the same as the. 1,500,000 there's no he has no army to that during that time he has only five stones my friend if you have a million soldier you don't need God that's who we are when we have something in us that we can depend that's 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 simply human uh, human nature when we have something that we can depend in our life, we, we, we eventually hang on to that instead of trusting the Lord. But if you have five smooth stones and facing that giant, probably you'll pray a lot of prayers in order for you to uh, defeat that, <laughs> that uh, giant there. Again, many, many people today thought they don't need God. Why? Because they have everything. You know, my, my aunt in New Zealand, um, she, she's always telling me that it's hard for them to, to have soul meaning there um, because people would say to you, why do I need God? I have already everything in my life. You know, I have family, good family. We have we have, you know, a nice house, uh, actually larger than what we have here, I don't know. But they have everything that they can boast to people that I don't need God. So because they kind of think that if they have, if they have money, they have fame, they have power, they can stand on their own. Psalm 119, verse 8 to 9, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. So David sinned against the Lord. And the response of God to that sin, he showed, God showed his holiness and justice. You know, you can't, God cannot look into sin and, you know, 
and he will not he, he will just tolerate it okay we know who God is you know every single one of us we know who God is when we sin against God and he cannot tolerate sin now one example for that um, I give you two examples you know in chorus rebellion right he rebelled against the leadership of Moses but actually they are not rebelling against Moses they rebelled against the leadership of God and you know what happened to them another example in the New Testament Ananias and Sapphira the first ever mentioned when the church started they died because they lie in the Holy Spirit so God doesn't you know a joke around sin now we know all this doesn't God doesn't joke around sin and we can see when God responded to to the sin of David we can see the result of sin you know the result of sin in verse 12 it says either three years famine or three months to be destroyed before thy foes while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee or else three days the sword of the Lord even the pestilence in the land and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him to him that sent me so there's three choices right so when have you ever is anyone here have sinned and then God told you okay choose there three choice right this like right away we can experience consequence of our sin but here we um, it's a very rare occasion where God gave a person three choices of consequences so as a result God gave three consequences that David had to choose from so three years famine three months of war three days of pestilence you know all of these things are actually the first two David experienced this you know you remember when when there is three years famine in the land it's it was recorded in 2nd Samuel chapter 21 verse 1 when the people when the nation of Israel experienced three years of famine why because they disobeyed the oath okay you remember when 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 the children of Israel possess the land possess the land um, who's the leader Joshua so we enter enter into the land so as they go and um, and go and have this you know war against the Canaanites there's certain people who actually you know what is this disguise themselves who are those they are the Gibeonites Gibeonites and this is the recorded you know mistake of, jo of Joshua that he did not inquire the Lord of making this decision we can see always Joshua asked God what should I do but in this event he did not inquire the wisdom of God and that's why the consequence of it is that they made an oath that they will not destroy this people and they found out eventually that 
Now they've been tricked. And the Gibeonites, when Saul became king, they, uh, Saul, killed the Gibeonites. And because of that, when David now is the king, was the king, they experienced three years of famine. So you see, three years of famine, David knows how horrible, how difficult it is to be on that situation. Three months of war. Is David, was David, you know, experienced this? Of course. The Bible says he is a man of war. And that's the reason why God disqualified him to build the temple. You know, in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 8, Thou shalt not, sh uh, thou shalt, thou hast shed blood abundantly in my sight. And that's why I forbid you to, you know, to build the temple. Three days of pestilence. You know, as I kind of think of this, David has a kind of a glimpse of this because pestilence is a, a deadly disaster, a disease that affects an entire community. But we have an account wherein because of David's sin, his child actually, you know, became the consequence. Remember his first child? He was dead because of David's sin. Because of that disease. So when we actually sin, you know, we always think that oh, it's, it's, it will, you know, consequence will come after me. Yes, it's true. But we sometimes, you know, forget that when we sin, it will not just hurt ourselves, but also it will hurt the people around us. You know, that's why when, when a Christian turned turn the uh, turn their back to God and do this sin, sinful actions in the, in the sight of the Lord. The family hurts. You know, the church hurts. Hurts. And most of all, the name of God, uh, you know, is, is, is on the line because of the, the, that sin. So you see, Satan works all, always 24-7. Uh, he will always you know, make sure that we experience the result of our sin always. He will not stop because he knew that he cannot take us away from, from God, right? God, you know, holds us. If we are saved, we are saved forever. But, you know, he can stop us from being fruitful in the sight of God. And that's why he wants us to experience always, every day. Um, experience the result of our actions, the result of sin that we did in the sight of God. Now this would go into our third, which is the response of David. We can see the, re uh, the reaction of God. We can see the result of the sin. And in the third, we can see the response of David. Now in re upon reading this, you know, you will agree to me that David has a great heart for God. And that's why the Lord, you know, the Bible said to him that he is a man after God's own heart. You know, David responded with a broken and a contrite heart.
heart. Now in verse 8, um, it said, David said unto God, to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. Verse 13, we also can see here, And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. David here learned that God is merciful in his life. He is merciful. You know, he's, he's really merciful in our in, in our lives. Now we can see the contrast here when you know there's two recorded sin of David. Uh, the first one is when he we know it already when we he committed a an adultery with Bathsheba. Right? And then this this is the second one. This is a contrast we can see. I'm not I, I know that David actually acknowledged his sin when Nathan the prophet came to him and told him that that's, he is the guy. He is the man who sinned against God and he accepted it wholeheartedly. But you know, during that time, he tries to hide this. Right? He tried to hide this. Probably around like nine months or so, he tried to hide this uh, sin. And not just adultery, but also murder um, to the husband of, of uh, Bathsheba. And we can see that David, here in this passage, we can see that he did not try to hide his sin. You know, but instead... Right away, when he realized that he sinned against God, you know, he, he, he responded into a broken and contrite heart. Psalm 51.3, he mentioned it also. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not, thou wilt not despise. Now in our passage in verse 13, now we see David trusting God. A man earlier trusting man. But now he realized his sin. He trusted the Lord again, again more than ever. So we usually trust God in our salvation, right? There's no question. When, when I ask, if, uh, if someone asks you, oh, if you, do you trust God in your salvation? Of course, yes. But in, uh, in every day of our life, uh, when we face problems, especially, sometimes it also, you know, the, our trust in God, our faith in God, uh, it's been challenged by those problems that, you know, we face every day in our lives. So we fail, we sometimes fail to trust in the Lord. David learned that God is merciful. 
You know, we realize that God is merciful in our salvation. The Word of God says He is our propitiation. Propitiation. But God is not just only God of, you know, merciful in our salvation, but also He is merciful in our, in the providence in our life. You know, the Word of God says He's suffering, waiting patiently for an unbeliever to, to be saved. And the backslider to go back. His, his, his mercy is always there. And also, He's merciful in our future. We know that God holds tomorrow. And that He will always help. Ha, had this help. His mercy is always there for, uh, for us to go through in life's difficulties. Psalm 136 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now you can go into that a lot of verses in that psalm, and you'd always see that his mercies endureth forever. Now from this, the response of God, the result of sin, and the response of David, we see the first one is the grace of God. The second, we can see the love of God. And also we can see the heart of God. God's grace, you know, a manifestation of the grace of God. When God gave David three choices, it was a manifestation of the grace of God. You know, he can right away eliminate all those armies that David had been bragged about by himself. He can just do that. He is God. You know, but... But, you know, in his graciousness, God gave David three choices. In verse 15, God showed grace to David and chose to stop the judgment. Now, in verses 15, it said, And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of, e of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough it is enough stay now thine hand so god chose to stop the judgment with joel 2:13 the word of god says and rent your heart and not your and not your garment and turn unto the lord your god for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. God is our gracious God. We realize that. We've been saved by the grace of God. But also we can see God's love, the love of God in this situation. We can see that God is willing to forgive the sin of David. And so also true to your, to your life. When, when God you know, when we sin against the Lord, He is faithful. First John 1 John 1.9 says, you know, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. It's a manifestation of the love of God. For God so loved the world right, that He gave His only begotten Son. 
And also, we can see the grace of God, we can see the love of God, but also we can see the heart of David here in this, in this situation. David responded in obedience and love towards God. So when God gave him the, the consequence of his sin, he did not turn his back to God, nor he had this anger and hatred towards God. But he responded with obedience and love towards him. Now in verse 18, it says, Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar, an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. God commanded David to set up an altar unto, the, unto him. In response to God's grace and love, David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. That's in verse 19. Now the threshing floor of Ornan, it's a, for me it's, it's like a marvelous place. You know, usually they, they, it's common to them they have a threshing floor, right? Especially in the harvest time when they would, you know, toss their, the, the wheat and the chaff would blow by the wind and then the grain will fall. So they, they use that often. Okay, so threshing floor of Ornan, that's actually the place of the Mount Moriah. So there's four important events that happened on the, the same very place. Now in the life of Abraham, we see in Genesis chapter 22 that he sacrificed his son in, to the Lord. That's the same very place. When God asked David to build an altar in the threshing floor of Ornan, that's the very same place. It is also, you can read in verse uh, chapter, uh, chapter 22 of First Chronicles that God chose that place to build the temple of God. And in even 2,500 years later, God chose that place wherein the Son of, of God will be crucified, the cross of Calvary, to pay the penalty of our sin. You see a very place, very place of that very historic, very you know, amazing place, the threshing floor of Ornan. First John chapter 2 verse 3, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. David could have just, you know, bitter to God. But he responded in obedience and followed the Lord when he builded an altar in the, on the threshing floor of Ornan. But not only he obeyed, he also manifested his love towards God, to God, to the Lord. In verse 24, Nay, but I verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. You know, David realized you know, his sin against God, he responded in obedience, but in showing his love toward God, he's willing to give to whatever price the place uh, was. 
So he, he, he bought the land because he, he, he said there, and I will not offer anything that costs me nothing. You know, it's uh, a great manifestation, a uh, good, good manifestation of our love towards God is actually you can find in a lot of verses in the scripture. It's always we give. Right? Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present it to give your body. Psalm 5, 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, giving our time. Manifesting our love towards God. Matthew 6, 21. For we, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Giving our treasure. And also God ask us to give our talents to him. You know, God exemplified that. He actually said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. When, when we truly love the Lord, not only we keep his commandments, but also, you know, God expects us to, to give. I'm not saying just financial. I'm not totally saying that but he wants us to give our all our all our life to him to live for him you know in, clo uh, in closing I will just end this in the illustration I know a Christian uh, man in the Philippines um, uh, this is an illustration that he went through God's correction twice and that's not just a good a simple correction but the first time because he live, he's living outside of the will of God, God ex let him experience a car accident that, that, that almost took his life. And then he prayed into the Lord and said, if, if God will heal him, you know, bring back his strength, he will go back to the Lord. And yes, God healed him. But after that, he went back again, living a disobedient life in the sight of God. Okay? And probably it's like, you know, God wants his attention. And the second time, he met another accident. And this time in a motorcycle. And almost took his life again. And there in the hospital, he said, I give up. You know, a good response to the consequence that God has given him. He, 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 he knew that he's not living in, uh, good in the sight of God. And by that time, he's been, from that time forth, he's been living for God uh, the rest of his life. Now the question for us this evening, how will you respond when God corrects you for your mistake. You're the one that can answer that. And I am the one also that can answer that question. But I will leave that to you. How will you respond when God corrects you for your mistake?